Amen. All right. Look in James tonight. Look in the book of James. Amen. Appreciate that good hard singing. Amen. All right. Book of James tonight. Look in the book of James. All right. I hope you came looking for, uh, looking for something from the Lord tonight. I hope you didn't just come out of duty. I hope this is not a chore to you. And if it is, you really need to get your heart right with the Lord and start looking for something. And God, God's eager to give you something if you're interested. And uh, sometimes the Lord is gracious. Thank God he's gracious. And he'll give you something anyway, even when you ain't looking for it. And I really appreciate that. But uh, the, best, the best attitude to have is to come to church with anticipation, not out of a sense of duty. And uh, I really kind of have tried to commit to myself to really try and invest and make Wednesday night church service as fun and as interesting and as enjoyable as a Sunday morning church service. Wednesday night in most churches turns out to really just be something that's kind of drab and Oh, here we go. We're going to Wednesday night Bible study. And I, I don't have nothing against Bible study, but I don't really much care for uh, trying to take Wednesday nights and dedicate them to quote-unquote Bible study. What it really turns out to be is really a, uh, a kumbaya session, and I ain't too interested in that. I'm really interested. I am interested in studying the Scriptures, but I want God to talk to us. I want God to talk to me. I want God to talk to you. So I hope that's what you came looking for tonight. So we're going to pray. We're right here in the book of James, James chapter 1. And uh, while we pray, why don't you pray with me? And if you haven't yet today, bow your head and ask the Lord to give you something tonight. So look here in James and let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, thank you, God, for this choir singing. Lord, thank you, God, for the good congregational singing. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us tonight. As we open your word, God, I pray that you'd speak to us. God, deal with us and help us. Lord, I, I pray, God, that you help me, Lord, to take these things, Lord, that you've put on my heart and mind. God, help me to say them. God, deliver them. God, as, as pointed, Lord, and as, uh, as, as uh, I say pointed, Lord, well, absolutely pointed. And God, Lord, forceful if that's what's necessary. I don't know how to say it, but Lord, pray that you'd help me to just deliver it, God, Lord, according to your pleasure. And God, Lord, just do, Lord, what needs to be done. And God, Lord, I pray, God, whatever needs to be done in the hearts of your people, Lord, I pray that you'd accomplish that in tonight. Lord, guide me, Lord, I pray. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 1, look here in verse 1. The Bible said, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Anybody took James up on that today? When temptation come knocking at your door today, whatever time it came, I'm sure it came more than once. But whatever time it came, did you say, praise the Lord? That's what he said. He said, count it all joy. That's what he said. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Uh, let me say this. He said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. I'm, I know you've been around a Baptist church for long enough. You hear some of these fellas talk about, well, this fella, you know, he fell into sin and this gal, you know, she got, she got messed up. She fell into sin. There ain't no such thing as falling into sin. There's no such thing. You don't fall into sin. Uh, you dive headfirst into sin. The only part of falling that there is as far as the relationship to sin is, is when it comes to temptation. That you fall into. That's what he said. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. When it comes to the actual sinning process, which you'll get to look at here later in the chapter, but when you start dealing with the actual sinning process, that's on you. You, you can't push that off on somebody else and say, well, I, I fell into it. You know, uh, you know listen, no, there's no fella... You take a preacher who's standing behind a, a pulpit on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then all of a sudden he ends up on the bar stool on Thursday evening. He didn't fall there. He, he made some decisions throughout the course of his week that got him there. Hmm? Uh, a fella, I try not to be too, uh, too, too uh, indiscreet, but a fella who ends up with another fella's wife he didn't just fall into that place. There was a lot, a lot of bad decisions that that guy had to make. Well, I just don't understand why you folks are so, so hard towards people that have messed their life up. Well, it's voluntary. 
Did, listen, any of you folks that had sin that's messed your life up, I, which I, I believe we could ask for a show of hands, and every single one of you, if you was honest, you'd raise your hand and say, sin's messed my life up. Sin's messed my life up. I, I hope you ain't got the false erroneous impression from a preacher that this guy's perfect standing up here. I'm a mess. But I, I'm trying to walk right. I'm trying to walk worthy like the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. Not sorry about that neither. I want to walk worthy because my God deserves it. But you, you say, well, why, why, these folks say, well, why, why do you take such a hard stance towards all, all these guys, you know, that have messed their life up? You know, don't you understand? Don't you have any compassion? I, yeah, I do understand. And uh, maybe there's some compassion to be had, but nobody forced them to mess it up. Listen, nobody forced a guy to leave his wife and run off with the church secretary or pianist. Nobody's forced a fella to, to guzzle down a, a 16 ounces of beer. Nobody's forced a fella to smoke a joint and shoot heroin and get overdosed on. Nobody forced him. It's voluntary. You made the decision. As far as the temptation goes, you'll look at it here in just a second. I, I'm going to try and get there as quickly as I can, but I ain't going to make no guarantees how fast I'll get there. But, you know, you're born with uh, a fleshly Adamic nature. And the Bible says that, he, he says down here in verse uh, 14, he says, every man's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Whether you believe that about yourself, you got lust down deep there in your heart. And, you know, when you say the word lust, automatically people think about, you know, well, this fellow's lusting after this gal. Well, that's not the only form of lust that there is. That, that is a good illustration. That is a good example. But that's not the only form that there is. But listen, every sin that you ever get involved with is a result of your flesh leading you there. Amen. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, a lot of times it's just you led you to do it. Yes, sir. You talk about being led by evil spirits and being led by the devil, and you know the world's got a, you know, a ring in my nose and led me up. No, it was you. Yeah. It was me. We made up our own minds. We said, hey, we looked at that thing, and we wanted it, and we said, okay, that's the direction that we're going. And lo and behold, here comes sin, and it's a killer. Hey, the, the, first, the first step in getting right with God, you Wednesday night church folks that's bunch of angels sitting here, nothing wrong with you. I mean, everybody comes to church on Wednesday nights all right with God. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Y'all probably the biggest devils in this church. Amen. Amen. But here you are. You sit here on Wednesday night and got everything right. But you know, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not the world that's messing you up and it's not the devil that's messing you up. I don't doubt. I don't doubt that the world exerts a heavy influence on you because I know it exerts a heavy influence on me. I don't doubt that the devil fights against some of you folks, especially on Sunday and especially on Saturday night, trying to keep you up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching some stupid TV program so you lay out of Sunday school or try and work on you real hard Wednesday evening, give you a bad day on Wednesday, try and let all this stuff come up so you lay out of church on Wednesday night. Well, you know, this is just I'm providentially hindered, which sometimes does happen. Sometimes you just providentially hindered by the uh, easy boy, the lazy boy recliner. That's your providentially hindered a lot of times. But all of that to say, that's not all the world and, and, and the devil is not the biggest form of your fighting. It's just you. It's you. It's, you. it's your flesh. It's your flesh. Don't, don't ever short, short sell yourself on underestimating how wicked you really are. You're an old buzzard. Every man, woman, boy, and girl sitting in here, you're an old buzzard. You're a weasel. If you, if you could get away with something, if, you've, if you knew that nobody would find out, there's a good possibility you'd just go ahead and do it. You say, what? Whatever it is that you've been wanting to do for a long time, a lot of what keeps you from getting engaged into a bunch of devilment is the fear that somebody else is going to find out about you and, oh, my soul, what's so-and-so going to think about me? And thank God you got something that's got a leash on you. It'd really be better if you worried about what God thought about you because God knows. Whether nobody else sees what's going on down in your heart, God knows. God knows. The basis, the basis to conviction is God knows. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. The reason that you have a hard time sleeping with yourself at night. I said sleeping with yourself at night. The reason that you have a hard time laying your head on your pillow at night is because you know God knows. Yeah. 
There's something that's eating your lunch on the inside. God gave you something called a conscience, and that thing just bother you and bother you and bother you. You say, what's that all about? You know God knows. I tell you the easiest way to get that handled is roll out of bed and just get down on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I did it. My husband didn't make me do it. My wife didn't make me do it. My mom and daddy didn't make me do it. My children didn't make me do it. I did it. Lord, I blew my top. I blew my top, Lord, and it wasn't my kids. They didn't help. (laughs) But it wasn't my kids. It was me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, Lord, I said something I shouldn't have said. I gossiping about somebody. Lord, that, that wasn't their fault. It was my fault. Yes, sir. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You remember that message Brother Mike preached here to us during the revival? Jonah's good attitude. It's me. It's me, Lord. It's about the only aspect of Jonah that, that had a good attitude. It's you. Yes, sir. It's you. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Well, here comes, here comes this temptation. Well, you fall there, but that's as far as your falling goes. Everything after that's on you. And listen, let me tell you something. You don't have to do it. Did you know that uh, being tempted is not a sin? I, I, hope, I hope you know that. I hope you understand that. That's an important thing because the devil will beat you up over stuff like that. Oh, you, you couldn't possibly be right with God. You couldn't possibly. Uh, I was talking to a fellow yesterday, and he told me he, he's uh, uh, well out of his 40s, and he told me, he said, I got news for you. He said, and he said his age, he said, at this age, he said, girls still look pretty. It's just the way that it is. I'm not trying to make you be embarrassed or any of you ladies blush. I'm not trying to do anything along those lines. What I'm talking to you about is how messed up this nature is. Yes, sir. And I don't. I don't really know what it is that really sidetracks a woman. If I had to, if I had to guess, and this, all this is is a guess, because I'm not a woman. Please understand that I'm not a woman. <clears throat> I don't have a feminine side, like brother brother Mark said. If I had one, you wouldn't want to meet her. <laughs> uh, that's right. I got sidetracked right there for just a second, but. It, Hey, you, your nature's just messed up. But listen, I'll tell you what, just as easy as you can decide to go off on the deep end and mess around in a bunch of iniquity and filth, you can make the decision not to go that way. Yes, yes sir. But see, it's all on you. It's on your shoulders. You have to make that decision. Well, you just don't understand how hard I have it. and You just don't understand my situation. It don't matter. Look at what he says. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. You know what that word divers means? It means different. When you look it up in Webster's 1828 dictionary, which is the dictionary I like, I don't mind a Merriam-Webster dictionary too. Uh, I don't know who Merriam is, but that's a pretty good dictionary too. Uh, but when you look in Webster's 1828, he says, he says it's several. He says it's more than one, but not a great number. Did you know that that's true about temptation? There's, there, there are many different modes of temptation. There, well, there's more than one, but there's not a great number of them. As a matter of fact, it seems like to me that when the Lord was tempted, he was tempted in all, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. That's hard to fathom. I got started on this by saying being tempted is not a sin. If temptation itself, if being tempted itself is a sin, then you got a Savior who's a sinner, and you're no more saved than the man on the moon. Because Jesus Christ didn't sin, and yet he was tempted. So temptation is not the sin. What is the sin is given into it. What is the iniquity is the moment that you say, okay, you consent. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, you get that little desire or get that little lust or get whatever it is in you that sidetracks you and throws you off. Well, if you get that thing under control, you're not necessarily messed up yet. But just let that thing sit there and fester. Hey, you can't keep yourself from being tempted, but you sure can make the decision to do right. You get into a particular situation. And here's what goes on a lot of times in my mind, in your mind. This is what goes on in our mind. Well, you know, we're just sinners. But see, you're not looking for a way out. What you're looking for is a means of justification. 
What you're going to do is you're going to get into a place to where you've got this temptation, you've got this opportunity that's being presented to you, and you're going to try and find out a way to justify it in your own mind, and as soon as you do, the lights start going out. And the longer you try to justify that thing, the darker it gets right in here until the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it is, might be chapter 5, but I think it's chapter 4. He says, he said, we don't walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He said, they've got an imagination that's been darkened. Amen. Yes, sir, just sit there and try to justify the things that you're being tempted with. And Well, I know that this has got to be okay. I know that this is, you know, I've done it before and look at me, I, I turned out all right. No, no, you didn't turn out right. That's why you're as messed up as you are right now. Amen. Yes, sir, if you hadn't have gotten messed up with that uh, uh, maybe five or ten years ago, you'd probably, there's no doubt, there's no probably to it, you'd be farther along with God than you are right now. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth about me. It's the truth about you. See, there's diverse temptations. There's, there's more than one. There's more than one, but there's not a great number of them. Here, Jesus Christ, the Bible said he is tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin. Well, he comes through here and the devil tempts him to turn stones into bread and then tempts him to throw himself down off the pinnacle of the temple and then takes him up and says, hey, all this kingdom, all this glory I'll give to you. He said, because that's delivered to me, which is true. He's the God of this world. He said, I'll give all this to you if you'll just fall down and worship me. And every time the Lord said, no, 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 no. See, that's the, that's the word you need introduced in your vocabulary. I recommend the first word that you teach your children is not yes. You notice what the first thing out of the devil's mouth recorded in the book of Genesis is? The first recorded words of the devil, you know what it was? It was yay. That's yes. You know what that is? That's positive thinking. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, it's so wonderful. Oh, yes, this is so good. Oh, yes, this is so great. This is so grand. No, 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 no. You're just so mean. You're just so narrow-minded, and you're just so arrogant. Well, it's safe. I mean, I'm not wallering around. I'm not wallering around on my pillow at night wondering, how come I ain't got peace in my heart? I mean, I can actually lay down and get some rest. Amen. They talk about the power of positive thinking. How about the power of negative thinking? I recommend the first word that you teach your kids is no. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You try something along the lines of what most preachers is trying with their congregations, you know, trying to be diplomatic with their, with their church congregation. You know, church congregation, you know, start slipping around and drinking beer, and the preacher kind of, you know, slip around and beat around the bush up behind the pulpit. I recommend you try and do that when your baby's getting ready to put their hand on a hot stove. Try it. Let's see what happens. What's going to happen to that little baby is the same thing that's getting ready to happen to that church member who's slipping around drinking Jack Daniels. Hmm. Messing around with wine down at Disney World. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes, sir. You ain't got no business going down to Disney World anyway. Bunch of homo lovers. That's all they are. You don't love homos? I wish they'd get saved, but no, I don't love them. I want to see them get saved. I want to see them get born again. But you know, they are the way that they are for a reason. You read Romans chapter 1, you figure that out. But anyways, that's a different sermon for a different time, which I'm tempted to preach it tonight. I'm feeling pretty good. A lot of good liberty standing up around here somewhere. Uh, but that's the truth. That's the truth. Let me get back to this sermon. It's diverse temptations. It's diverse temptations. It's, it's not, there's not a whole lot of them. Here the Lord has all these temptations. Well, you say, what are those temptations? Well, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither things that's in the world. For the, uh, for if any man love the world, love the Father is not him. For all that's in the world, verse 16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, that pretty much sums up every bit of temptation that you've ever had today. It might, sum, it might sum up all the temptation you've ever had in your life. That's how you summarize the temptation of the devil to Eve in the Garden of Eden. When she saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to, to be desired to make one wise. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. The Lord knows, oh, you just don't understand what I, I'm going through. Uh, sure I do. I may not understand the specific. 
I may not know about the specific temptation that you dealt with today. I may not know. I may not be a fly on the wall in your brain, so to speak. That paints kind of an interesting mental picture even for me. Uh, a fly on the wall in your brain. Uh, okay, maybe that's just funny to me. I'll laugh at it. Ha ha. But here you go. Here you've got this situation. You've got this situation. Oh, you just don't understand what I'm going through. I don't have to understand. I don't, I don't necessarily have to know the specific thing that you're dealing with, but I know this. I'm tempted just like you are. I'm a person just like you are. I got flesh just like you do. You just don't understand. How about Jesus? You reckon he understands? Listen, you may not be able to say it about me that I was tempted in all points like as you are, but you can say it about him. The scripture said it in the book of Hebrews. He understands. He knows. It's divers' temptations. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Brother Chris, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now, if we're talking about temptations as far as dogs and cats and horses and pigs and cows, or, you know, the, the aliens that come from Mars, or so, maybe, maybe we're out of the realm there. I'm just trying to see who, who believes in aliens from Mars. But anyways, you know, blood-sucking vampires. You start talking about that stuff, people really perk up, even in church. Uh, but there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. Yes, sir. I may not know what's going on in the brain of a 13-year-old. You're still 13, ain't you? Time hasn't got away from me that bad. I may not necessarily know what, what's specifically going on in your brain. What is specifically going on in your affections? But I know something about it because it's common. Yeah. Oh, Brother Nathan, I'm just so tired. I can't come to church on Wednesday night. Well, Brother Nathan, you do know you're preaching to the choir. I know. I'm doing this for next week. Amen. Amen. Oh, Brother Nathan, uh, yeah, I'm just so tired. I'm just so wore out. I know something about that. I know something about that. I also know something about my God who's able to sustain you. I also know something about my God who's able to get you here and then feed you when you get here. I know something. I know something about that too. See, we, 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 we throw off on all this hardship that we have, and there's hardship to be had. There's plenty of hardship in this life. I'm not trying to take away from that, but we, we slight and we negate the comfort and the sustaining that the Lord has available for us if we just look for it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's common temptation, folks. It's a common temptation. He says, verse 3, knowing this, that the, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, he said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. And then he turns around and he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So in one hand, he calls it temptation. There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And he turns around and he re-identifies the same thing, which is temptation. He identifies it as the trying of your faith. That's an interesting statement. You'd think, you'd think that really what a temptation is is the trying of your endurance. That's not really what it is, though. It's the trying of your faith is what he said. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That's a dirty word that nobody likes to have. And, and, you know, a lot of people think that patience, the word patience has to deal with, you know, sitting in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic and not cussing or saying any other kind of bad word. But that's not really what patience is. Patience is the ability to go through suffering without murmuring and being fretful. You know what being fretful is? That's being peevish. That's having a bad attitude. I'll just say this like the Bible says it. And ye have need of patience. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Because that's the God's honest truth. Uh, as soon as some kind of trouble comes up, you start getting a little hot under the collar. And as soon as a little bit more trouble comes up, you get a little vocal about it. And then a little bit more trouble comes up. And then you get real vocal. And then a little more trouble comes. And then you start losing your mind. And then a little bit more trouble comes. And you just absolutely explode all over the place. Hmm? And somebody has to come up in the room, clean up on aisle nine and clean up all the mess that you just made because you lost your emotions everywhere. And that ain't just the ladies, that's the fellas too. That ain't just church members, that's preachers too. That's deacons too. That's song leaders too. That's not just laity, that's people that have leadership positions, quote unquote. 
That's people. You say, what is, you have need of patience. You say, what, what's that all about? What we need patience? What, what's this thing that works patience? The trying of your faith. Hey, let me ask you something. You believe that Jesus Christ died for sinners? That's, that requires faith. As a matter of fact, that is a system of beliefs. We have a system of beliefs. We call those things doctrines. And in some places in the New Testament, that's called the faith. Uh, Galatians, I just read through the book of Galatians today. That was one of the things that I read today. But in the book of Galatians, he talks about in Galatians chapter 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. He's not talking about, he says, the faith of the Son of God. He's not talking about the faith that the Son of God has. He's talking about the faith that relates to the Son of God. It's a faith. It's something that you believe. Well, what this temptation is supposed to do is it's supposed to try your faith. It's supposed to try your faith. It's real hard. It's real hard. Uh, let, let me put it to you like this, you fellas. You believe it's right to stay faithful to your wife? Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord, brother. That's right. God have mercy. Uh, if anybody be unfaithful to their wife. Well, what happens when the pretty lady walks down the street? It's temptation. You know what's getting ready to be done? Your faith, what you believe is getting ready to be tried. It's fixing to be put into a fire. And we're going to see. We're going to see how much you really believe that. I say we're. I'm not going to see it. You're going to see it. And you know what happens a lot of times? You have to sit down on your rump or get down on your knees and say, Lord, I really don't believe this like I say I do. Brother Chris, do you believe that God can feed your soul if you'll get down to the church house? Absolutely. I believe most Christians would assent to that. What happens on Wednesday night? Well, see, what happens is your faith gets tried. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a fella said one time, I think it was Billy Kelly, he was getting ready to go to a wedding. And this fella said, he said, I want, he said, I want this song sung. Uh, Y'all probably heard that song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold, so forth and so on. And that guy got done singing that song and he turned and look at, looked at the groom and he said, you wanted that song, song sung? He said, yeah. He said, then what you getting married for? <laughs> uh, I guess his faith wasn't really there, huh? He didn't really believe what he was saying. Uh, uh, Y'all just got a bad sense of humor. That's all there is to it. I thought it was funny. Uh, whatever. Yes, sir, what happens a lot of times, what happens a lot of times is your faith gets put in the fire. You believe a particular thing. Hey, let me ask you something. You believe it's right for a man to leave a church the right way? Huh? Well, what happens when he leaves wrong and he goes and pastors another church? It's a temptation. Absolutely. That's the way it is. That's the way it rolls, man. Listen, just because your experience is telling you one thing and just because of what you see in life, hey, is it right, is it right, is it right for women to have an abortion? Is that right? Anybody want to stand up here and say, hey, I believe that abortion. Of course, it might be some stupid person floating around in here. And God help you if you believe this way. It's just, it's just foolish. We'll pray for you. We'll minister to you. You keep coming. But we ain't going to cut you loose and let you preach those sermons no time soon. But... Hey, you believe, you, hey, uh, you believe that it's right for a woman to have an abortion? Oh, no, oh, no. Well, what happens when the Supreme Court rules that, yes, it's okay like they did years ago? Say, everybody, hey, listen, I'm, I'm thrilled to death. I'm thrilled to death that the Supreme Court ruled that it, you know, whatever it is that they ruled, which I, I don't believe that they ruled that it was wrong. They just probably gave that back into the hands of the state, which won't slow down much abortion. Because people people so messed up in their hearts and minds. But see, because the, because the federal government justified it, because the federal government said it's okay, then, hey, we're just going to buy into it. That's what happened. That's what happened uh, when they ruled that homosexual marriages was okay. People bought into it hook, line, and seeker. Of course, I believe there was a whole lot of people sitting in independent Baptist churches that already believed it was okay. And when the Supreme Court came out with it, they just decided to put more pressure on their preacher. And many of the preachers just buckled. That's all there is to it. 
I got news for you. The Bible says that those people, Old and New Testament, both places, it says that those kind of people is worthy of death. Old Testament, they charged the Old Testament economy. They had charged the Old Testament kingdom, that Old Testament monarchy, the theocracy under Moses and Joshua and uh, David and Solomon and the rest of those. They charged them with putting those people to death. In the New Testament, they don't charge. God doesn't charge the church with putting those people to death. It charges the church with just labeling them for what they are and let it roll. Our, church is the, our responsibility as a church is to preach the gospel. Amen. But it still ain't right. Amen. It's just all it is. That's all there is to it. Well, Brother Nathan, you just don't understand my situation. Let, let, me, just, let me just go ahead and just break your heart, honey. I don't care about your situation. Amen. I care about what God said. Listen, that's not just the attitude that I have to take about you. That's the attitude that I have to take about me. Brother Michael, the moment that I get to the place to where I care more about what I feel and the moment that I get more, more concerned about my situation and you don't understand me, and if we could just sit down and have a, the moment I get there, buddy, we're messed up. Yeah. Far from God, far from God. Listen, God is not interested in sitting down and having a rap session with you. God is not interested in sitting down and talking things over. God has already talked things over. God has already said this is the way that it is, and you have to take it, you have to repent, and that's all there is to it. That's all that God's interested in. That's all that God's interested in. Now listen, Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. But I can tell you who's going to win that argument. When it's you and the Lord arguing about whether something, when it's you and the Lord reasoning something out, I can tell you who's going to win. And it ain't going to be you if that narrows it down at all. It's going to be the Lord every time. Well, you know, my grandma drank a fifth of whiskey every night before she went to bed. God couldn't give a rip what your grandma did. Yes, sir, for all you know, your grandma's dead and in hell. Oh, not my grandmother. She was a great saint of God. She was drinking a fifth of liquor. It don't sound like she was a great saint of God. You're welcome. Amen. She ain't no saint of God if, if she's drinking a fifth of liquor every night. Amen. Amen. I don't know why it would get quiet there, but that's just the way that it is, honey. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Let me get back to this sermon before I hang out there for too long. Uh, listen, you're going to have to quit justifying things that ain't right just because you had family members that was doing it or because you're doing it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, no, Brother Nathan, you preaching to the choir. No, I don't believe that. Uh, I hope I am. Of course I am. That, most everybody in the choir was up here. Oh, yes, sir. Hey, but you know, you know what I'm saying. You get in, you get and sit on, on a Wednesday night church service and begin to think, oh yeah, no, I, I can justify this and I can do this and I can let a little bit of this cussing slip through right here and I can watch the Waltons and it'll be all right. Did you know, did you know that the actors that played in the Waltons, little old grandma that played on the Waltons, I don't even know if I've ever seen a Waltons episode. I don't know that I've ever seen, but I've heard about the Waltons. Did you know that grandma on the Waltons was a flaming homosexual activist? Oh, but the Waltons ain't going to hurt nothing. And what you don't know the whole time is every once in a while they're dropping these little insinuations here and they're dropping these little insinuations there. I think I said it a while back. I think I said it a while back about uh, I got this little video of Ernest, and he's, I think it's Ernest Go Slam Dunk or something stupid like that. It's about some kind of basketball thing. You know, Ernest P. World, man, that stuff's funny is what you'd think. And they got all these black guys on there. And I don't even remember what was said, but I remember they just dropped a little line right in there. I got my kids around. We was all sitting around, me and my wife. My kids were sitting around watching this. Yeah, maybe this will be all right. We started watching it, and they dropped this little line about white people's racists. Just kind of just slid that right in there. Probably about 10 minutes into the movie. You say, what'd you do? I turned it right off. Amen. I ain't messed with Ernest P. World since. Amen. What you don't know is every, every little bit of that stuff that you're letting through is putting its, it's putting its tentacles around your throat and it's squeezing the life out of you. Amen. Little Walt Disney, Mickey Mouse. 
Who could argue against Mickey Mouse? You know, go down to Walt Disney World and come out with the mouse ears. That's a good way of getting shot, by the way. Those are bullseyes if you didn't know it. Yes, sir, that's target practice. If you got offended over that, we'll pray for you. And, and we'll probably make fun of you, too. But, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Who could argue against Mickey Mouse? Well, I'll tell you what, how about you just come down years later and look at the people like Whitney Houston died in a drug overdose. You know where she got her, you know where she got her start? Mickey Mouse Club. Let's look at Britney Spears. Look at, look at the trash. Look at the trash that she is right now. Where'd she get her start? How about Miley Cyrus? Who could, who could argue against Walt Disney World? You help yourself. You help yourself. You go on down there and you just help yourself do whatever it is that you want to do and let your little mama push you into uh, buckling under the pressure because you're more worried about what your mama thinks than you are worried about your family and worried about really what your God thinks. You worry about that stuff more than you worry about what God thinks and let's just see where your family ends up in about 20 or 30 years. They'll end right out, out there on the streets holding signs and picketing for gay rights and all that other stuff. If you're okay with that, run on. Help yourself. Not me. I don't want no part of it. Yes, sir. What, what you believe, folks, what you believe. you believe. You believe what's true. You believe what's right. Well, don't you think for five seconds that it ain't going to be tried. Hey, the very thing, listen to me, listen to me, the very thing that many of you folks are sitting in here tonight shaking your head and going like this and saying amen about, you better expect some controversy before this weekend's over. You can expect it. Somebody, somebody's going to say something. Something's going to take place, and you're going to have to figure out. You're going to be faced with the fact that, do I really believe what I said amen to on Wednesday night? You say, what is it? That's a trying of your faith. You know what that produces? Heaviness. It's weighty. It's weighty. T take your Bible. Hold your place there in James chapter 1 and look over in 1 Peter. Look over in 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at what he says right here. 1 Peter chapter 1 and look in verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6, he said, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. Manifold, many-fold. You're in heaviness through manifold temptation. It's not just one temptation. It'll be one and then five minutes later, another, and then five minutes later, another, and then five minutes later, it just keeps coming. So, Brother Nathan, when am I going to get to the place to where I don't have any more temptation? When we bury you out there in the churchyard at Camp Pickney? Yeah. Uh, after you're dead, we're not going to bury you alive. After you're dead and we bury you, you'll have no more temptation. Or the rapture takes place. There's something messed up about your flesh. There's something messed up about the body that you're sitting in. And listen, you can lift all the weights that you want to lift. You can get Botox in your face. You can do whatever it is that you want to do to try and uh, push off the effects of this sinful uh, nature that you've got. But I'm telling you, there's something down in your bosom that is deadly. You say, what is it? That's the lust of the flesh. The Bible said before you got saved, before you had the Spirit of God living inside, the Spirit of God is the thing that contends with that lust of the flesh. That's, that's what contends against it, which, by the way, uh, lost man don't have something inside of him. The only contention that he gets is from a gospel witness. Hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, that's not right. God's not pleased with that. Just get off my back. You know what he wants to do? He wants to just walk according to the lust of his flesh. Man that gets saved, God the Holy Ghost comes inside now immediately. There's a contention that starts going on. There's a fight. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, Galatians chapter 5 says, and the spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. It goes both ways. You cannot do. Can't do it. I really would like to read my Bible today. Well, you're going to have a hard time doing that when you've been watching four hours of YouTube. Yes, sir. And I tell you this, it goes the other way as well. 
Well, I really would like to sit down and watch four hours of YouTube, but it's going to be hard to do when you've been, when you've been reading uh, 300 pages in your Bible. That's a lofty goal. I mean, if you can do that, you help yourself. I'm not doing that, but that's a lofty goal. If you can read 300 pages, it's going to be real hard to do that and then turn around and watch four hours of YouTube videos. There's going to be something about your appetite that's changed. I was telling somebody in here, I don't remember who it was when I started uh, throwing weights around because that's about all I'm doing. And uh, I'm about right back where I started because I stopped for a little while, but I started taking in massive amounts of protein. I used to love sugar. I used to be a junk food junkie. I got that from my mama. There's no question. I used to love that stuff. Start, start eating a lot more protein, chicken breast, fish, all that kind of beans. Yes, sir, you start eating all that stuff. And start actually putting that stuff to use, lifting some heavy weights, and your muscles start trying to <laughs> and pop out and grow. Yes, sir. Well, when that starts taking place, you know what happens to your appetite? It changes. That's what, need, that's what needs to happen to a lot of Christians. They need to have a heavy intake of this old book right here. And then what you need to do is you need to start lifting heavy. Get involved in something that's going to require you to lean on this. Amen. I recommend witnessing. Amen. Yes, sir. Get involved in something that's really going to call on that stuff that you've ingested. Amen. That stuff that you've been trying to digest. Get involved with something that's really going to call on that stuff. And what you'll find out is you'll grow from it. Yeah. Absolutely. If you've got a good diet. Now, if you've been eating trash and you try to go witness, the only thing that you're going to do is run out of stuff to say right in a hurry. I found that to be true every time, Brother Chris. When I mess around and read about five verses a day and then try and go witness, it's amazing how fast I run out of things to say. Amen. Take about an hour or two or three or four, or God forbid, eight hours and just do nothing but read and pray all day and then go out and witness. Boy, I feel like Superman. Try and go up to somebody and witness and they say, well, I don't go to church. Man, but bam, 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 bam. And then walk away from the conversation saying, man, where did that come from? Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyways, let me get back to this sermon. Talking about heaviness. Talking about being heaviness. You're in heaviness through manifold temptation. These temptations are going to come. They're going to come. And you're going to get into a situation to where you press. You remember Paul the Apostle? Paul the Apostle 2 Corinthians, I believe it was chapter 2, might have been chapter 1, but he said, man, we went through this, and we went through this, and we went through this, and we went through this. And you know what he said in one place? He said it was almost like we was pressed out of measure. That's heaviness. It's heaviness. You reckon Paul ever got to the place where he was tempted to quit? I know. I know something about being tempted to quit. I know something about that, especially on Mondays <laughs> and Thursday mornings. Man, it's just, it's just ain't working out. I just ain't doing right. It just, it just ain't going well. I guess that's just a lot of the preacher. That's just the way it is. You reckon Paul the Apostle ever got to that place? You say, what is it? That's heaviness. That's just the way it is. That's temptation. That's the stuff that you go through. That's the stuff that you're going to endure. It's tribulation. That's the trying of your faith. You believe in a judgment seat of Christ. We preached about that before. I hope you believe in it. You believe in a judgment seat of Christ. You believe that one day you're going to stand before God and give an account for everything that you've ever done for him and God is going to reward you or not reward you based on the service that you've rendered unto him with this life. You believe that? Well, what happens when you, the temptation comes to quit? It's a temptation. It's a trying of your faith. Do I really believe that? See, what's going on is you've got, what, what's going on is this temptation is pushing you to a place to where what you say, I believe, is becoming more than something that you just believe. It's becoming yours. All these people are getting around and talking about your truth, and that's not really the, the idea that I'm trying to put in your mind, but really what, what you're talking about is something that's objective, something that is so whether you believe it or not. Now you believe it, and now it's become part of Reality for you. I don't know how else to say it than that, and I believe that's adequate. It's become yours. Paul said all things is yours. It's a little bit out of context for what I'm saying right now, but it fits. Yes, sir. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Oh, yeah, I believe that. Well, what happens when somebody tells you that he ain't? Is it yours? 
You believe it? You going to be shaken? You believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church? Well, what happens when Stephen Anderson says, no, we don't, we don't believe? Or what happens when Kent, uh, Kent Hovind says, we don't believe? You going to be shaken? So you got you to, it, it's something that's got to be yours. Man. I've said it time and time again from this pulpit, man, I, I wish... And I could, I could stand up and explain things. I can, you know, I can, I can try to uh, take you through the scriptures best I can, but man, there's nothing that's going to produce the peace and the joy in your heart like it becoming something that you know for you. It's yours. Yes, sir. You say, what, how does that come about? Some of it comes about by temptation, by being made uncomfortable, getting in a little bit of a tussle, getting in a little bit of a fight. Hey, those things that make you uncomfortable when you have to argue with your mother because you've made a stand and your mama's compromising. Don't tell me that that stuff don't happen. Hey, that stuff that makes you uncomfortable where you look at your daddy and say, hey, we don't let that stuff in our house. Well, what do you mean? We did it when you was growing up. Well, we're Christians and we're trying to serve God and live for God. We don't do that stuff. Well, you're just a bunch of bigots. Y'all cult down there at People's Baptist Church. What you going to say? It's got to be your, you say, what is it? That's a, that's a push, that's a trying of your faith. You know what that'll do? If you'll let it, one thing that it could do is make you bitter. But the other thing, if you'll let it, it'll, it'll produce patience. Patience is the ability to just sit there and just take it without complaining, without being discontent, without being peevish. You know, I, th- I believe with all my heart that a lot of times the complaining that we do about what everybody else is doing, it's not because we're really upset that they're doing wrong. It's upset that they're doing wrong and it looks like they're getting away with it. And when we try to do it, we don't get away with it. I believe that. I really do believe that. <laughs> I want to do that. Ain't that right? Absolutely. Somebody lay out of church on Wednesday night. <laughs> I want to lay out of church. <sighs> Don't you think I'd like to lay out of church on Wednesday night once in a while? Well, anyways, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, want nothing. Now look at what he says. He says, if any lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it'll be given to him, it'll be given him, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. When he says nothing wavering, he's talking about a faith that's not wavering. Look at what he says. He says, verse 6, he said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's the wavering that he's talking about. What he's talking about is a fellow who comes in and he says, well, I believe this. And then he walks out and says, well, I'm not so sure about that. I believe this. What he's talking about is a fellow who come up and say, well, I got this standard today. And then he'll drop it tomorrow. And then he'll pick it up two days later and then drop it a week later. That's a double-minded man. The Bible said that kind of guy is unstable. God said he's not going to get anything. He can ask all the wisdom that he wants. He's not going to get it. Hey, you believe what you believe? then you're going to have to stick with it if it's right. If it's not right, then you're going to have to change. But hey, if you open up your Bible and you see it plain as day in your Bible, it don't matter. It don't matter what your mama does. It don't matter what your wife does. It don't matter what your husband does. Of course, if it's your husband, 1 Peter chapter 3 tell you how to deal with that. He can be won by the chaste conversation of his wife. But hey, Truth is still truth regardless. If you see it plain as day, you don't have to change your mind every five minutes just because so-and-so don't think that way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, and the preacher says, hey, that's a commandment, you don't have to be depressed. You, You can make the decision to rejoice in the Lord regardless of what you feel like. It's a decision that can be made. And then you got some bozo of a friend or some bozo of a family member that says, you just don't understand my situation. I have a mental disorder. Well, you're right about that. You do. You sure do have a mental disorder. Your mental disorder is that you ain't got enough sense to open your Bible and read it and believe it. Yes, sir. 
So you start talking like that, and boy, it makes people real nervous. But see, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to take that kind of an attitude, or you're just going to have to be double-minded. That's all there is to it. Hey, I believe this. Man. Brother Curtis, I went back and listened to some of the stuff that I've preached before, and I thought, oh, my soul. Did I really say that? That was stupid. I've never, I have never opened my Bible and said, oh, my soul. That's stupid. Never have. I believe every word. I believe every word. I don't live up to every word, but I believe it. You know what? If Brother Chris gets crossways with the Bible, God forbid, but if Brother Chris gets crossways with the Bible, you know what I want? I don't want Brother Chris's unfaithfulness to influence my belief in God's book. Hey, if my parents backslide and get out of church and get crossways with God and get bitter with the church, I don't want that to influence me to get out of church and backslide and get crossways with the church. You say, what you talking about? I'm talking about not wavering. You say, why? Because temptation's coming. And you know, in the middle of that temptation, you're going to have a lot of questions. You're going to have a lot of things that you don't understand. And it'd be a great blessing to be able to get out on your knees and say, God, I need some wisdom. I still believe you. I still believe, God, I'm not even sure I, I, I'm not even sure I, I'm sane right now, but I believe you, I believe your word. God, I'd really like to have some wisdom. God, would you help me? Let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You never hear, in that kind of a situation, you never hear God say, that's stupid, that's ridiculous. How dare you ask me for wisdom? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father which is in heaven. Look at what he says down here later in the chapter. He says, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Hey, there's help to be had. You're going to go through some temptations this week, I guarantee you, before the, before the week's out. And I, I probably do you well to find a place to pray before you leave here tonight. We open up the altars, give you an opportunity to do business with God, but it do you good to get out on your knees and say, God, help me. I Amen. know, I know it's going to come. God, would you just sustain me? Amen. God, help me, Lord. When I get into the place to where my faith is going to be tried, God, would you help me, Lord, to just be faithful to you? Yes, sir, do you good. Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for your mercy. God, I pray that you'd help and minister tonight. God, thank you, Lord, for the good liberty here. God, I just pray, help you people. God, Lord, we're so faulty. God, Lord, I, God, Lord, myself, God, Lord, just so weak and, Lord, anemic, God, when it comes to spirituality. But, God, I want to walk worthy. God, I believe these do as well. And I pray that you'd uphold us and sustain us. God, give us that which we need. Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm going to come tonight. You need to do business with God. Why don't you do business with the Lord? Call on him. Call upon the Lord while he's near.